Luke chapter 2, we pick up the story as Jesus is a little bit older now. Christmas has passed. He's, he's grown up. He is now 12 years old in verse 41. Since his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. This special gathering, this special time, a religious high point in their year. And when he was 12 years old, that was for the Jews the age of accountability, the age when they began to understand things clearly themselves. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Jesus. He's got something on his mind, something on his heart. And we don't know the details from Luke. We imagine as he comes to his first Passover and he sees the Passover lamb slain, he is immersed in the Old Testament Scriptures. And he's growing up, Luke tells us, in wisdom and favor with God and man. He's learning just like you and I learn. And so as he's there, imagine the impact on him as he watches that lamb be slain. And he, he begins to realize a little bit more of his mission and what he has come to do. And this had such an impact on him and, and God had such a purpose for him there in Jerusalem that he, he lingers there in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother, these are tragic words, what does it say? Did not know it. Can you imagine a greater privilege than what Mary had been given to raise God on earth as a human child, fully human and fully God, to, to, to have this opportunity to, to live with Jesus with you and, and yet to, to forget about Jesus? Who forgets about Jesus when he's your child that you're to watch out for? But they forgot about him. Mary and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after how long? Three days, they found him in the midst of the temple, in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to him, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Fascinating story. Fascinating experience that Joseph and Mary went through Fascinating because of what it reveals to us about journeying with Jesus. How much better their experience could have been if they had just kept their eyes on Jesus. But they went just one day, and in just one day of not recognizing that Jesus was not with them, how long did it take for them to find Jesus? And in what they were doing, they weren't being malicious about leaving Jesus behind. They just kind of were absent-minded. They just weren't focused. They were just thinking about the fun that they were having with friends. But a day later, they were three days away from Jesus. 
what a tragedy it can be in our lives when we take our eyes off of Jesus. Desire of Ages, page 83, says this about this story. It says, If Joseph and Mary had stayed their minds upon God by meditation and prayer, they would have realized the sacredness of their trust. If only they'd been meditating and praying and thinking about God, thinking about God's will for their lives, focused on Jesus. We've been talking about beholding the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And would not have lost sight of Jesus. But one day's neglect, they lost the Savior. By one day's neglect, they lost the Savior. But it cost them three days of anxious search to find him. Page 83 goes on to say, So with us, so with us, by idle talk, evil speaking, or neglect of prayer, we may in one day lose the Savior's presence, and it may take many days of sorrowful search to find him and regain the peace that we have lost. We've come to Christmas. We've focused on Jesus. We've seen him born as a baby. And sometimes we come to moments like this and then we just go on about our way. Sometimes we come to church and we hear an inspiring message. Sometimes we're in Sabbath school and we study something that's, that's profound and, and then we just go on about our business not recognizing that we've taken our eyes off of Jesus, who is absolutely everything to us. Back in 2005, I got the privilege for the very first time to go on a trip with Leah. Leah and I weren't dating at the time. We had just met, actually, oddly enough, at a wedding of a friend. And at the end of this wedding, a group of us were all going on a trip to do a week of prayer up near Lake Tahoe. As we hopped in her, her dad's Suburban, her dad gave her the keys, and we hopped in the car, and we began to drive north. We're driving along, and after some time, time came for a pit stop, and we stopped to, to get gas, and we all decided to go into the bathroom while we were there, and we all walked into the bathroom, and one of the guys and I, we went into uh, the men's restroom, and Leah walked into the women's restroom. Well, it takes men a little bit shorter of a time, sometimes, in the restroom than, than women. And so we came out of the restroom before long, and we, we walked out of the, not thinking about anything, we walked straight out of the, the, the fueling stop there, and we walked out to the car, and we were hopping back in the car, sitting there talking and, and just getting better acquainted with some of them and uh, catching up with one of them was my friend, longtime friend from high school, and I was just talking with him. When all of a sudden... The doors of the gas station burst open and Leah comes out as fast as I've ever seen her walk. And she comes walking across the parking lot and she says, Why did you guys leave me in there? You forgot about me. There were some really scary people in there. And suddenly in that moment I began to think, Yeah, there were some interesting folks in there. That would be really scary if you're a girl and you're trying to... She said, they were just like crowding around me and it just, it felt so scary. And why did you guys leave me? In that moment, I told her something that I believe God inspired me to say. I said, I will never leave you alone like that again. I don't know where that came from in my mind, but God knew what was going to take place for our lives and that built some trust in her life because she knew that I didn't want to forget about her again. But just a moment of forgetting someone can cause an entire 
world of hurt. Just a moment of taking our eyes off of Jesus. Joseph and Mary, just one day, took three days to find Jesus again. And you know, throughout Scripture, you find again and again that God is crying out to His people saying, why do you keep forgetting about me? Why don't you remember me? Can't you just remember how precious I am to you? Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. In Jeremiah chapter, chapter 2 is one of these places where we find God describing the forgetfulness of his people. Jeremiah chapter 2 in verse 32. It says this, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Can you hear the heartache of God? He's saying, could a, a, a bride, as she's getting ready for her wedding, forget to put on her fine apparel for that wedding? Maybe you, you haven't gotten married in a while, or maybe you've not been married, and two of you need to especially pay attention, because there, there is a special thing that takes place. So about 10 years ago, it was a, a 10 years minus a week or two, we had it all planned out, my wife and I, as if we weren't married at the time. We had all of the details planned out. Actually, her mother planned a lot of the details. We're very thankful for her. But one of the things that, that we thought about was the clothing. And it was actually more than just weeks before when they began to go hunting for that dress. Looking everywhere, trying to find the perfect dress for Leah to wear. Finally, they found the dress, and of course, I wasn't able to see it. The guy's not supposed to see it, apparently, so I didn't get to see what it was going to be like, but I was pretty sure it was going to be good because she's beautiful. But then I, I began to think about the important things. I said, well, how long do you want my hair to be? When should I get a haircut? I kind of need a haircut right now. Well, sh she said, uh, well, let's kind of test it out. So we would get my haircut, and then we would go a week or two, and then Finally, we figured out the perfect amount of time. I believe it was about a week or two that we were, knew that that was the time. So it came to about, I think it was two weeks before the wedding, got my hair cut. I went to the shop for the tuxedos and I got fitted for my tux. And then exactly 10 years ago, about an hour or two before right now, this is a picture of me standing in the, the bathroom at my in-law's house. I was there, and it's important that you make sure to button all the buttons on your shirt, that you tie your tie just right, because this is a special moment. You're going to have these pictures for the rest of your life to look at. In fact, Leah even had me bleach my teeth so that the teeth could be white in the pictures, because this is an important moment. You're coming together for something that should be a once-in-a-lifetime moment for you. This is a picture of her dress it was there. She was getting ready in her parents' room with all of the bridesmaids. They were all there in the bathroom getting ready together. There's a picture of Leah in front of the mirror and a picture of her mom who was helping her with all the details. And you know, it takes girls a little bit longer. Jeremiah is using a very vivid picture here of how a bride will never forget any detail, any part of what she's going to wear to the wedding. She's going to do everything possible. Her mom's going to do everything possible. Her bridesmaids are going to do everything possible to make sure that she is ready for the wedding. And then we went out and took pictures. 
And there was a reason for all of this. The next pictures of actual church where we got married, and there we are at the front of the church. We wouldn't stand up there without clothing on. We wouldn't stand up there in just our ragged old work clothes after going to a work, church work bee. It was a special moment because something special was going to take place. And Jeremiah further describes this. If you look over in Jeremiah, and we'll look at chapter 23, verses 15 and 16. You remember last week that we talked about Jesus being called the branch. He's Throughout Isaiah and Jeremiah, he's referred to as the coming one, the branch, who was going to be a savior for his people. So in, in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 15, we pick it up and we read this about the branch. It says, Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets. Sorry, that's not the verse. We're going to start back in verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. This is describing who Jesus was going to be, that he was going to live a righteous life, that he was going to represent all of humanity in perfectly obeying the law of God, which is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus perfectly live this out. And then verse 16 says this, thus says the Lord of, uh, sorry, I keep going back down there. Verse 6, in his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, what does it say? The Lord our righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? This is the name that Jesus is going to have, the branch. He's not just living this life for himself, but he's living it for you. He's living a faithful life for you. He's taking your place. He is taking all of our mistakes and our failures, step by step we've seen, and he is, at each of those steps, living an obedient and righteous life. But something fascinating happens if you flip over just 10 chapters to Jeremiah chapter 33. There you notice that the branch, his name will be called the Lord our righteousness. But if you go to chapter 33 in verse 15, it says, In those days at that time I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He will execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Does this sound like the verse we just read? In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And then notice this, and this is the name by which he will be called. This is the name by which she will be called the Lord our righteousness. Yeah, I didn't get it the first time I heard it either. But here's the thing. Do you see what's happening? Saying that the branch is going to come. He's going to live a righteous life. And he's going to be a representative. It's going to be the Lord our righteousness. And then just 10 chapters later, Jeremiah is saying, the Lord our righteousness is going to be your name. That's going to be who you are. Okay, we need to go back to the wedding, I can tell. So put that picture back up there of the wedding. And there, as we're standing in the front, as, as my dad finished the ceremony, the bride and groom kiss, what is the first thing that they do as they introduce the bride and groom to the audience? What is the name that they use? Mr. and Mrs. Zachary 
Page or something like that. Leah and Zachary Page. For the first time in our lives, we now shared the same name. We now were on the same page, as we like to say. (laughs) We were together, and we were combining not just our homes, not just our cars, not just our bank accounts, not just every part of our lives, but that was represented by the combining of a name. We were taking on the same name. We were joined together in every possible way. Now look at Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. Talking about the Word of God, Jeremiah says this about how delightful the Word of God is. John, uh, Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, it says, Your words were found and I ate them. It says, I loved your words, God. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Isn't that beautiful? Jeremiah says, your words were found. I I delighted in them. They were so beautiful to me. They were so wonderful to me. And I, for I am called by your name. You see, there's something powerful in the word of God. The word of God reveals to us the character of God. Education, page 171, says this. Throughout the Bible, you'll find that Character is represented by the names of individuals. It says this in page 171, A change wrought by the Word, it is one of the deepest mysteries of the Word. We cannot understand it. We can only believe. As declared by the Scriptures, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 Like we talked about last week, that change that takes place of Christ being in us, it takes place through the Word of God. A knowledge of this mystery furnishes a key to every other. It opens to the soul the treasures of the universe, the possibilities of infinite development, recognizing the mystery that that as we read this book, we're changed. We are drawn closer to God. We fall in love with God. This book changes who we are. Verse, it continues, page 172, in this development, is gained through the constant unfolding to us of the character of God, the glory, the mystery of the written word. You see, the power that is contained in this book is not based on words and facts and and even our understanding of truths about the universe. But what changes us from this book is the fact that from Genesis to Revelation, it reveals to us the character of God. Who God is, is revealed in this book. And as we eat this book like Jeremiah, it transforms our hearts to become like him. By beholding, we become transformed. And this is how we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. How we can avoid the mistake that Joseph and Mary made of of not keeping their eyes on Jesus and of having to struggle for three days to find him. In that same passage in Desire of Ages, it goes on to say this talking about how to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. It says it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. It would be well for us to spend an hour, a thoughtful hour, focused on Jesus every single day. Does that sound like a lot to you? 
Does it sound like a lot to take an hour with Jesus every day? Well, I just want you to be praying about this as we're going to do something special right now where we're going to look at what an hour with God could look like. Look at some practical ideas of how we could in 2018 ensure that we continue to walk with Jesus or that maybe we begin walking with Jesus with our eyes fixed on him for the very first time. You might think an hour with God, that's challenging. But I want you to begin praying. Maybe, God, are you calling me to an experience like that? A thoughtful hour each day in the contemplation of the life of Christ. It goes on to say, as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant. Our love will be quickened. And we will be more deeply imbued with his spirit. If we would be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. There's power when we come to the Word of God because it reveals the character of God. But I know for me, sometimes I've thought an hour with God in contemplation of His character. I don't know how that's even possible. So I want to invite Leah and some of her, some people that she's asked among you to come up here and we're going to ask you, how is it that you spend time with God? What does that look like for you? So if you were asked by Leah, I want to invite you to go ahead and come up here and she's going to have a little bit of a panel discussion so that we can get some practical ideas of how we can better experience a daily experience with God. Okay, I'm so thankful that each of these people are willing to come up and just share. You know, as we think about this story of Joseph and Mary, the key was that they took their eyes off of Jesus. And, you know, I don't know any better way to keep my eyes focused on Jesus more than just spending time with him every single day. And each of these people up here not only spend time with Jesus, but as they have become friends of mine, I've heard a little bit about their experience, and it's been inspiring to me in different ways. So this is Silver. Silver's actually a student, but he's just home for the holidays. And Silver, tell us, when do you spend your personal time with God? Um, good morning, guys. Um, happy Sabbath. This is a personal question. <laughs> But I tend to like the, the time that I spend with God in the mornings. You know, most people say that that's the best time to just get it out the way. But it's not always the morning times. If I don't do it in the mornings, I can still do it some other time in the day. But for me personally, Leah, I like spending time with God very early in the morning. Wait, not so early, um, like 5 o'clock in the morning. My early is probably different from other people's early time. Okay, might be a little different than John. Let's jump down to John. You can have the blue mic there if we can have him on. John, when do you spend your time with God? You know, I, I get up really, really early. I get up by 4 o'clock usually. And I love that time of day because it's so quiet. And that's when I spend my time with God. But I also find that I spend time... If I'm doing something, I've learned to pray to God that I, he will help me to get that job done. So you may think, well, John is retired now, so he has a lot of time to spend with God. But Linda works, and she has a lot of days that she has to be out of the house early in the morning. When do you spend your time with God? Um, I do s spend time with God in the morning, and um, I usually get up around 5.15. Um, 
But I also, what we haven't mentioned here is I also always have an evening worship also because I really feel like it's super important to, I don't know, bracket my day, start it and end it, and just kind of go over um, with him what's happened during the day, praise him for that, and um, just hear what he wants to tell me one more time and not forget him at the end of the day. Yeah, because I know, I'm sure it's happened to you guys before. You spend that time with God. You have a great experience in the morning, but then you have a busy day, and things start happening, and it's really easy to forget God even just by the end of the day. So kind of bracketing your day is a really good idea. So Lori, tell us, what do you actually do during your time? Lori wakes up early in the morning, just like many of the people up here. She spends that time with God. And what do you do for your time with God? Um, Usually I start by asking forgiveness of any unconfessed sins. Um, because I don't want any separation between Christ and my heart, um, then just quiet time to try to listen. Um, usually it's about an hour, maybe two, and then um, I try to submit uh, to the Word of God and read. So... Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's pass it to Don here. So I know that Don also spends time with God, and he also spends time in the Word. Tell us a little bit about what you do. How do you spend your worship time? What do you like to read? I probably do it at least three times a day. Well, actually throughout the whole day. Um, if I can spend a couple minutes more. <laughs> I don't want to do a canned answer. Uh, yeah, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I'm up at 4.30. Uh, the thing that kind of started this whole thing is, as you know, I had some knee surgeries, and I was never sleeping, ever. And so I just decided, okay, I'm just going to start spending time with God. And I totally, completely fell in love with Jesus. Um, there's nothing like spending concentrated time with someone that you know you want to be in love with, and you don't do that by being estranged from them. I found that out in my relationship with my wife, and it's even more so true with, with Jesus. But when I wake up there, anybody ever wake up uh, if your alarm goes off because you got to go to work or whatever, and you go like, oh, i got to get up and do that again? Anybody ever experienced that before? Well, God has taught me to just pray, praise him. I says, Lord, thank you. You gave me another day to spend for you. And he puts that joy in my heart, and then... Um, I, uh, I get up and, and I just start really praising him. I, I have a, a Bible app that I listen to, so I go through the Bible sequentially. I have uh, four other people at work or that I know that are doing it. I just show them the app and they say, well, that would be really good if I could read the Bible. So I do that. I have it read to me. And uh, at lunchtime, my lunch consists of eating while I'm either listening or I'm praying uh, because in the middle of the day, Things can go wrong. <laughs> and it's, it's really about attitude. And um, the exact same circumstances can be completely different on your heart and in your mind and your thoughts and your feelings based on, am I tuned into God or am I whining? So, and then I'll do the same thing at night. That's awesome. So let's pass it back down to Linda. Linda, tell us a little bit about what it actually looks like for you. You wake up early in the morning. You have that time before you go to work. What do you do? What do you read? How do you pray? What do you do? Um, I start with prayer, and um, probably of my time, at least a third to a half of the time is spent in prayer. Um, And it's generally about an, I mean, my whole 
worship time is about an hour or a little less. Um, so I do spend quite a bit of time just talking to God about things that are concerning me or other people or, you know, it's just my opportunity to speak. And then at the end of it, I challenge him. I want to see him. I want to, I want, I feel God is wanting me, he's always trying to get my attention. And I say, Lord, you know, now is your chance. Please show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me. And um, so then I read God's Word. I've been um, going, using the Version Bible app, and um, they allow you to go through the Bible in a year. And the way that it works is you have a reading from either Psalms or Proverbs as your first reading for the day. Then your second reading is um, a New Testament reading, and then your third reading is an Old Testament reading. And so you get really kind of a nice sampling of God's Word. And what I try to do as I'm reading those is to see how they connect because I believe God's Word, um, it has a common thread. So I'm looking for what's he trying to tell me in all three of these different areas that basically are kind of similar. And it's, it's just a fun challenge for me, and it's kind of fun to see what he puts in there for me. Very exciting. And then I finish my worship time with a book that um, darling Tammy Smith gave me. Thank you, Tammy. Um, she, it's, called, it's a book called Jesus Calling, and it's a daily devotional. It's very small, and it's written as if Jesus was speaking to you personally. It's very short, and each section, each daily reading is based on three or four verses from the, the Bible, and it's as if Jesus was speaking to you personally for that day. And um, it really is encouraging. It's always, you know, it's on a whole variety of things, but um, it always applies somehow. God does that. God does that. He's so good at that. So, John, after you spend your time with God, what do you do when Nadine wakes up? Well, I usually spend a couple of hours with God, and I'm not as organized as these others. You know, I just kind of go with, okay, what are you going to give me today? And I, Nadine and I, once Nadine gets up and she kind of gets her eyes open a little bit and um, we sit down and we do a, a daily devotional together. We also read from that book and she reads the Bible passages out of there and we have a prayer book, a prayer list that that we have made over the years. And we pray, I think probably everybody in this church's name is on that prayer book, is on that list. For one thing or another, that we've had this thing for a few years now. So we pray over that. And we pray together, and then we start our day. So, Silver, what's something that you would recommend reading? What's something that's blessed you, that you've enjoyed for just your own personal growth? Like, as you've read it, you've said that really draws me to Jesus that you might recommend to somebody out there. Yeah, so right now what I am doing in my personal devotions is that I've decided to go over the Sabbath school lesson for each day in the morning. And so that way I'm already preparing for Sabbath school on Sabbath. And um, it's really a spiritual endeavor if um, you haven't tried it. And um, I... I look forward to the Sabbath school lesson. We just finished the book of Romans, and it's one of the best books that Paul has written in, in the New Testament and has enriched me personally 
So that's what I do. I also not only read the Sabbath school lesson in the morning, I also am reading um, a book in the Bible. And right now I'm in the book of Psalms. And so it just depends on how God is speaking to me at that season of my life. I kind of direct my my study of God's Word and what God is speaking to me. And right now, um, it's studying the Sabbath school lesson and going over the book of Psalms. I pray um, as well. I do like to... I'm a seminarian student, so my schedule is a lot different. Um, I have to be honest, and that's... I don't really have that one hour that I can put in the morning because I like my sleep, if you can tell. But it's not so much the time that you put in, like um, Don was saying, it's the attitude. What are you coming into um, your personal devotion with God? And for me, what I, what I find amazing is that God speaks to us differently. For me, he speaks in a way that it's hard and it hasn't been mentioned, but just being still in God's presence. And I think God doesn't want us so much to pray and read the Bible. He just wants us to be still and allow his, his word to just speak to us. And, and maybe not even through his word, maybe through prayer, but he just wants to speak to us individually. And it's so hard right now in a world that is just filled with fast pace and just get it all done. It takes a lot of dedication, but God really desires, I believe, Leah, to speak to us personally. And I, I want to I have that more in my life. Absolutely. So I think some common threads that are coming out here, many of us here, we spend that time in prayer spend time reading the Bible, spend time reading or studying something that also enriches us. But I know, Lori, you do something in addition to that. You journal. And so you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I do a prayer journal. Um, I am very, very forgetful. <laughs> so um, I don't want to forget anything, any prayers that God's answering. Um, one in particular was I have a neighbor that has for years been got under my skin the the, the parking problem it became a real problem (laughs) I let it become a problem inside my heart anyways so um, I had been praying and praying and praying for God to change my heart because it was making me sick I mean I would hear her voice because we share a wall and I'd go and I thought now this is bad so um I'm out in the garden, and I'm making up these planters and thinking for gifts. But the one that I love the most, I thought, I'll keep this one. And so um, I hear, no, you're going to give this to your neighbor. And I thought, hmm, uh -uh. I could make that other one so pretty. And I hear... Nuh-uh. <laughs> You're going to give it to your neighbor. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I better go give it now. <laughs> so I take it to her, and I thought, well, she probably won't appreciate it. And that's not for my concern. 
But what, what happened was, after I walked away, I was filled with so much love for her. And she does a home daycare. And I have a home, and I share a common wall. So I hear everything. And um, I'm used to living alone very quietly. Um, so they didn't ask my permission for the daycare. <laughs> so, but um, it, 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 I was able to start praying fervently for them and the love that he put in my heart for her is still there and this is months later and I texted her last night saying I think someone that shares my bedroom wall is a, is a um, kicks in their sleep because it sounds like they're kicking the wall <laughs> and I tried to say it that nice with a happy face emoji <laughs> because she used to have a temper and uh, so she texts me back, don't worry about it, I'll fix it. And she puts a happy face. And I'm like, wow. So it, he's also continued for me to have an engaging relationship with her. So it's affected everybody. So. And when you journal that stuff, then you don't forget it, right? Absolutely. I know my mother-in-law often says that Israelites' biggest problem was that they forgot. They forgot that what God did for them. They were at the Red Sea. He opened it up, and miraculous mm. things. And then just a chapter or two later, they forgot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and who doesn't want to say thank you for that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And journaling gives you a chance just to record the blessings. I know one thing Zach does is every morning on his computer, he just records at least 10 blessings from the previous day, just ways that God has worked, ways that God has shown his goodness. And that really sets your heart in the right spot for a new day. Okay, so as we wrap this up, maybe we'll send it back to Don here. Just spending time with God, what difference does it make? Like, do you feel different in the day? Do you notice if you miss it? How, how does it affect your day-to-day life? God just puts his joy in my heart. And one thing I want to mention is I love music and just simple little songs. So uh, actually God uses them as warfare because if I'm tempted to be discouraged about something or concerned about something, you know, I'll start singing, my God is so good, he's strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Um, those, one of the songs we sing, the, the refrain from Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and it just... It, it, it affects my heart all the time. And so I don't want to be discouraged. I don't want to be offended. I don't want to be upset. Mm-hmm. I just want to enjoy God's, God's peace and his love and his joy. And I plead all day for the Holy Spirit because I need it so badly. Yeah. And others around me need to receive it. Absolutely. I know in high school, one of the first things I learned when I was coming to know God was every morning, pray for the Holy Spirit. If you don't think to pray for anything else, just right when you wake up, pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I started to do that, not expecting that it would change much. And God totally used that small prayer to just give me a heart to know God, to start opening up opportunities to serve God, just totally changed my life. So if you're out there today and you're thinking, well, I don't have an hour, I don't have two hours, I can't wake up at four o'clock. There were other people that actually tried to get to join us today, but they're out of town. One of them is little Jay Don. Do you guys know Jay Don? He's in second grade. He wakes up every morning and spends time reading his Bible. If you're in second grade, you could be spending time with Jesus. I tried for Dan Lamar. He's a young dad. Two little boys, works a full-time job, they have a baby on the way. 
But he is having such a powerful experience with God. He may not be able to spend an hour or two hours, but every morning he wakes up, house is busy, even grandma's living there right now. So he goes out to his car, turns on the car, gets it warm, and just spends some time reading his Bible in the car. Tanisha, she's a young working mom, but she tells me how when she drives down to work, she plays the Bible on the, on the way just so she can be listening and spending that time praying and listening. So no matter where you're at, I think what we're hearing today is that God wants to speak to us. He wants us to spend time with him. When we open ourselves up, he has the chance to speak to our hearts. And as we do that on a very regular basis, we won't miss Jesus. Our eyes won't be taken off. So thank you each so much for sharing. Zach's going to share some practical resources with us as we close today. But there are so many reading plans. If you're interested, the YouVersion app is a great thing to read. Um, Believe His Prophets is organized by the Adventist Church. It'll give you a chapter in Ellen White's writings to read every day. Um, I'm sorry, to read every week. And Happy anniversary. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of great opportunities. <laughs> that wasn't very kind of me to do while she's still talking. She's still, you're going to have to ask her later what she was, what, what was going to say. Uh, I do that for a few reasons. I want you to open to Ephesians chapter 5, the last passage that we'll look at here. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. I just want to obey the Bible. And the Bible's pretty clear about how we should live. It says this, Husbands, love your wives. I just believe we need to do what it says, right? <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about why I gave her that in just, just a, a minute. It goes on to say this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Just as Christ had that other-centered, complete giving of himself that he would rather you exist than that he exists, if that were possible as God. That he cares more about you than himself. That's the truth of the God of the universe. He gave himself for her that he may, don't miss this, sanctify and cleanse her. Who does the sanctifying? Who does the cleansing in our lives? Jesus, the Lord, our righteousness, the one whose name we take that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Friends, there is power in the word of God because it reveals to us the character of God. And as we take time in the word, and it can be through a varied of methods, you might only be able to listen to the Bible. That's okay. That's how throughout history, for years and years, most people had to go to a synagogue and listen to the scriptures be read. Then listen to it. You might, whatever it takes to be able to get into the Word of God. In fact, many of you received this book, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Uh, if you gave to Templeton Hills with a tithe envelope and we had a record of it, each of you got a thank you letter and one of these books because this story is phenomenal. The story of Hudson Taylor. And it shares story after story about how God moved in his life. So I hope some of you have been able to, to begin reading this. But Hudson Taylor was a man on a mission to reach the inland of China. And in doing this, he got some bold ideas. First, he went on his own and he was there for a while. He came back after, I think it was seven years or so, and came back to England because of some illness. And then he came to the place where he felt impressed that God was telling him, start asking me to send people to China. And so he said, okay, God, I'm going back to China and I want 
you to bring me 24 people to go back with me to China. And here's the thing that he felt impressed by. He, he writes, if you had your book, it's on page 120. He writes about how I believe that I want to send people to China who believe in the word of God. They've been washed and sanctified by the word of God and that they have nothing but the surety of the word of God. And he goes on to quote Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. That Doesn't it say if you seek first the kingdom of God that all these things will be added unto you? And he says, isn't that enough for 24 people as they go to China? And he quotes promise after promise, and he says they don't need some mission society to sustain them. All they need is the Word of God, because the Word of God is life to them. And sure enough, he took 24 missionaries without a missionary society backing them, without asking anybody for money, without asking anybody for donations. They hopped on a ship, they went to China, and God multiplied ministry as they simply relied on the Word of God. How does a person come to a place to have that kind of faith, that kind of eyes fixed on Jesus? Well, at the end of this book, I'm not spoiling all of it. There's tons more in it, so you still want to read it. But the authors encapsulate what he was like in his personal devotional life. Page 238, it says, It was not easy for Mr. Taylor in his changeful life to make time for prayer and Bible study. You might be thinking, yeah, I have time for prayer and Bible study. Like I have time for a hole in my head. I'm really busy. Hudson Taylor was extremely busy. He had missionaries to watch out for. But he knew that it was vital, they continue. Well do the writers remember traveling with him month after month in northern China by cart and wheelbarrow with the poorest of inns at night often with only one large room for coolies and travelers alike. They would screen off a corner for their father and another for themselves with curtains of some sort. And then after sleep at last had brought a measure of quiet, they would hear a match struck and see the flicker of candlelight, which told them that Mr. Taylor However weary was pouring over the little Bible in two volumes always at hand. From 2 to 4 a.m. was the time he usually gave to prayer. The time when he could be most sure of being undisturbed to wait upon God. The flicker of candlelight has meant more to us, the authors go on to say, than all that we have ever read or heard on secret prayer. It meant reality, not preaching, but practice. One day, Hudson Taylor was in his room with his grandchildren there. He shut his Bible and he walked across the room and he said, just finished reading that for the 40th time in 40 years. There's a reason that he had faith in Jesus. There's a reason that he could tell missionaries, we can go with just the simple promise of God. It's because he'd been immersed in the character of God. He'd spent time like Like Silver said, just waiting on God, reading, meditating on the Word of God, and it changed everything for Hudson Taylor. It's by the washing of the Word that Christ prepares His bride, Ephesians 5 tells us. goes on to say in verse 27, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish, dressed perfectly, for her wedding. Ten years ago, we were getting ready for our wedding, 
And the florist had asked me to do something special. She was a personal friend of ours who had been collecting flowers at, or getting flowers at wholesale for us. So Leah was there, and I'll put up a picture of her. She was looking out the window. The photographer's got a picture. She's checking out the window to see. We got, took our pictures in the backyard. And then they brought to her her bouquet, a beautiful bouquet of roses that the, the florist had carefully checked out for her. But the florist had asked me to do something. She said, would you write a letter to Leah? Would you, would you write a letter, and I'm going to slip it in a little envelope inside of that okay, and I'm going to put it there for Leah to be able to open up and read. And I just want you to look at the next picture. Just look at the look on her face as she reads that letter. I'm nobody special, but we're in love. And that letter was the description of my love for her. And I put a little letter in her bouquet today just to remind her that 10 years later, I love her more than I did 10 years ago. But friends, Jesus has written you a love letter. Have you read it? Have you taken time in it? Does your face look like that when you're going to look for Jesus in His Word? Do you love Jesus? That's what He wants for us. He says, A bride could never forget her attire for her wedding, but yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Don't forget Jesus. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't make the mistake that Mary and Joseph made. Every day, take time with Jesus. And don't make the mistake that I've often made. My commitment in 2018 is to not just take those hours with God. And I just wrote an article for Ministry Magazine about some of my personal experience in walking with God. And honestly, for me, it takes hours. Now you'll notice that each person was telling different things about their experience with God, and each of them were unique and special in their own way. And it's not something honorable for me to say that it takes longer than most people in God's presence. It's honestly, I wrote this in the article, because my heart needs more of Jesus than the average person. If you only need five minutes, you must be more of a saint than me. But I need time with Jesus, because otherwise you're not going to want to be around me. I'm not going to be a friendly, loving person. You may think that I'm patient. You may think that I'm kind. But you haven't seen me without Jesus. (laughs) The Lord, our righteousness, wants to become everything to us. And he wants to become everything through the word. As we close in prayer this morning, I just want to challenge you to keep this picture in mind of this love letter that Jesus has for you. Just put up a few practical possibilities for you. YouVersion Bible app was mentioned. It's a great place to find tons of different Bible reading plans. If you don't have a phone with apps on it, then go to Bible.com and it has the same exact things available for you there. And it has all types of, op- of, of different versions that will read to you, even dramatic versions that, that you can hear the Bible just like people have throughout history. Go to BelieveIsProphets.com. This has a really specific Bible reading plan that goes through the Bible in five years. It also has a blog about it. This is put on by the ministerial department of the the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, The next one, Revival and Reformation, is also uh, a website by the ministerial department that provides all types of resources, videos, sermons, books, articles to inspire you in your walk with God. The entire purpose is to be revived through the Word of God. And then this, this new one down at the bottom, readscripture.org. It's a Christian uh, group that has put together just a simple app 
where you can just read the Bible through in a year and it has descriptive videos that, that, that are really fascinating that kind of give you an overview of the Bible. So lots of different ways, lots of opportunities for us to dive into the Word. But friends, let's fall in love with Jesus in 2018. Do you want to love Him more than ever before? It comes through the washing of the Word. It comes as we take His words and we eat them and they're the joy and rejoicing of our hearts. As you bow your head with me, I just want to invite you to make a couple of commitments. The first commitment that I want to invite you to make is to take some form of time in 2018 to be with Jesus every single day. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know the amount of time. But if it's your commitment in 2018 that you're not going to miss a day of keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, then go ahead and raise your hand. Not raising it because you have the strength to do it, but knowing that he's the author and perfecter of your faith, that he's the one giving you the desire, and he's the one who will do it for you. Go ahead and put your hands down. I want to invite anyone else who might want to take it to the next level, something you haven't experienced before in 2018. And for some of you, that might mean that thoughtful hour in contemplation of the life of Christ. Just saying that I'm going to take at least 60 minutes every day during 2018. I'm going to take 60 minutes to focus on the author of life, the one who loved me so that I could love him, the one who changes everything about me, the Lord, my righteousness. If you're willing to dedicate just one hour each and every day to be with Jesus in his word and through prayer, then go ahead and just raise your hands with me as I pray. Father in heaven, we raise our hands not because we think that we're special or that we have some strength, but because we recognize that we need you. Thank you for giving us this incredible love letter. Thank you for revealing us to us that you are love. From cover to cover, this book reveals your character. And God, we want your character in our hearts. Thank you for Lori's story about how you, through prayer, have transformed her relationship with her neighbor. And that's what righteousness is all about. Lord God, thank you that you are our righteousness and that you want for us to be be transformed by beholding. Lord, may you lead us to deeper depths and higher heights with you in 2018, I pray in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.